0: Hi, welcome to our study on divorce and remarriage. Very touchy subject, so I hope we can shed some light on this, this incredible topic. Divorce and remarriage is based on two verses, really, which is Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, and Matthew 19, 9. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. Don't have a problem with, ju- with, with what Jesus is teaching. The problem lies with, to whom do these texts apply? Do they apply to everyone in the world, or do they apply to Christians only? And that's where the conflict comes, and that's where people are all upset about certain teachings concerning this topic. If divorce, if the divorce laws that Jesus is talking about in those two verses apply to everyone, then you find yourself unscripturally divorced and remarried, and you want to become a Christian. What must you do to get into the body of Christ? Well, if divorce laws do apply, before you're baptized, you must get divorced. Because Matthew nineteen nine, Jesus is saying, if you were unscripturally divorced and remarried, then that marriage is, is an adulterous marriage, and you cannot stay there, if what Jesus is saying applies to your marriage assuredly, Jesus says in in chapter 3, verse 28 of of the book of Mark, assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men. What Jesus is saying, all sins will be forgiven those outside of the body of Christ. That's the sons of men. Christians are seen as the sons of God. So he's saying when you're coming into the body, all sins will be forgiven except for, well, as these people would, would teach, except for your previous divorce. Secondly, not only do you have to get divorced, but now you have to become a eunuch. There are eunuchs who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, meaning you've got to get divorced from that woman you're married to. You can never get married again, so therefore you become a eunuch. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 3, Paul says the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, and this is later times, Some will fall away from the faith, meaning they have to be of the body of Christ, the church of Christ. You can't be using uh, other religions to to try to prove that this has come true. Seared in their own conscience, men who, what, forbid marriage. Well, this is the only place that I've ever seen this practiced by these people who say you have to get divorced because we forbid you to remain married and you can never get married again. You have to become a eunuch. Something to think about. And then, lastly, some will say you can return to your first spouse. But in Deuteronomy chapter 24, what it's saying is that if she's been married and then she got divorced, her former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she has been defiled. Well, if she gets defiled because she got married to somebody else... What about you if you've been married to somebody else? So, therefore, if you've been married, you can't get back to your original spouse because it's against the rules. Therefore, before you're baptized, you must get divorced and you must become a eunuch for the rest of your life. False doctrine. You need to understand that. Who is Jesus speaking to in Matthew chapter 5? He's speaking to God's covenant people, he's teaching the Jews. Because these are God's covenant people in the Old Testament. Concerning the new covenant, he has come to establish the New Testament. He's saying in this chapter, six times he says, You have heard, but I say. Nine times he says that. You have heard from Moses, but I say. Old Testament, New Testament. He's talking about these covenants. 43 more times in the book of Matthew, Jesus uses, I say to you. Not Old Testament. But well, that's what I'm saying because I'm speaking to who? I'm speaking to God's covenant people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and, say all kinds of, and, say, and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. He's not talking to the Jews. He's talking to future Christians. It's the Christians who are the salt of the earth. It's the Christians who are the light of the world. Jesus is talking about people that are going to come into the new covenant. That's what you need to understand. He's lifting the Old Testament commandments that you see at the end of Matthew chapter 5 to a spiritual level for a spiritual people of his spiritual kingdom, including divorce standards. In, in, at the end of Matthew chapter 5, you have heard thou shalt not commit murder, but I say you can't even call somebody a fool. You have heard thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say you can't even look at a woman with lust in your heart. You have heard you need to give her a certificate of divorce, but I say you can't get divorced except for immorality. You have heard that you need to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say you need to love your enemy. See, Jesus is taking it and he's taking it to a new level of standards for his new people in the new kingdom that's coming. That's who he's speaking to in Matthew chapter 5. The world is not condemned by the gospel. In Romans, it says that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal powers, divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. When you look around this world, you can believe that there is a God because of all of the things that have been created and the patterns that we find in nature. They are without excuse to say that this just came from a big bang. The world is not condemned by the gospel. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's the law of the Old Testament that identifies sin, which makes us go to the New Testament to get forgiveness of sins. Look at Romans 6.20, where it says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you were lost in the world of darkness, you couldn't do things of righteousness. It wouldn't matter because you were slaves of sin. The world is saved by the gospel. Why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on his name, Ananias to Paul, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. Paul says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. A new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That which was in the dark has died. You're a new creature in Christ. Christians are the ones that are condemned by the gospel, not the world. because he talks about that in, in Matthew chapter 25 with the ten virgins. Those are Christians. five are wise, five are foolish. The, with the guys, the three men with the talents, two were to uh, put their talents to action. One guy buried his talent. And when it comes to the, the, the judgment of the sheep and the goats, they're both Christians. They're both God's people, except the sheep loved the brethren, and the goats didn't love the brethren. That's why they were condemned. They weren't following after Jesus' commandment of John 13, 34, which says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. So what you need to see is, in the Gospels, the Christians are given new commandments. The Christians have greater expectations than people of the world. The world is lost in their sins. So when it comes to divorce and remarriage... To whom do these texts apply? They apply to Christians only. Don't be applying them to people that are lost in the world. So now jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and, and see how this applies to what Paul is teaching concerning marriage and divorce to the church. If the two of you become Christians and you're married together, she decides to leave, she needs to remain married, and he cannot divorce her. Why? Because there's no immorality done here. She's just leaving. This is called uh, separation, which is healthy if the marriage is not getting along in hopes of reconciliation. And that's what Paul's saying to two Christians. If if you're married and one of you becomes a Christian and the non-Christian says, I will still stay with you, then remain married. Now, this is really important to get a handle on. Because in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, it says, What therefore God has, uh, has yoked together, joined together, let no man separate. Okay? That's important to understand. Because too many people think that God has united all the marriages in the world and yoked them all together. Look what Jesus is saying in Matthew 11 when he says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You are not yoked to God until you have gone under the waters of baptism, risen, received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and continue to walk in the light as he himself is in the light. That's when you get yoked, when you become a Christian. You are not yoked prior to that. Hang on to that thought. Because in 1 Corinthians 7.14, the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your your children are unclean and they are, uh, but now they are holy. What's Paul saying? Okay. So now you guys are married. One of you becomes a Christian. Now... That Christian is yoked to Christ, and this marriage, he sanctifies the person that's not a Christian. That doesn't mean they have salvation, but they are now set apart. He has now yoked the two of you together. He now recognizes the marriage, and he's saying, stay together, your children are holy because of what God has done. What? Joined the two of you together. Recognize the marriage. God does not recognize marriages done outside of the body of Christ because he cannot see you because there's a wall of sin which separates you from a relationship with God. When you come and get baptized and the blood of Christ washes you clean, the wall of sin drops. You now become yoked to Christ and whomever you're married to at that present time is now put together with you. God doesn't start going back how many wives that you've been married to. God doesn't start going back and start recognizing what marriages in world religions are recognized by God. Those are the marriages that men have put together is what we need to understand. When they come, if their marriage has been put together according to laws of the land, God will recognize that marriage. I'm not saying people are not married out there. What I'm saying is God had nothing to do with the yoking of those people out there. He can only have that do with that when they come into the body of Christ. Then we go to the non-Christian and the Christian, the person becomes a Christian. What happens? The non-Christian decides to leave. What's Paul say? You're not under bondage. Oh, but that's not the word for divorce. No, of course not. You're not under slavery. You you don't have to stay married. You can get divorced because think about this. If you have to stay married to the person that has left, if they're gone five years and they come back, guess what? They, they have full rights to whatever you have built up because you're still married to them. And if they come back and they have all these incredible debts, you owe for those debts. No, no, no. You're not under bondage. You're not under slavery to any of that. You're free from that. And it's not you that divorced them. They walked. They're dead. And don't tell me they're not off to go commit fornication because they are leaving. That's a horrible thought to think that you have to remain married and can't get married again because somebody abandons you because you've become a Christian. Then Paul says, for the new Christian, circumcise or not circumcised, catch what he's saying here, remain in that condition in which you were called. This is an important phrase that Paul keeps using. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. What matters is keeping the commandments of God. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. When you, become, when you come into the body of Christ, you now go forward. In Matthew 28, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Oh, what did Jesus command them? Oh, the rule of concerning divorce. Teach them to obey that, now that they're in the body of Christ. Remain in that condition a new christian whether you're slave or free what's he say? remain in that in which you were called if you can achieve freedom if you're a slave then that's great but if you're free do not go into slavery that's the the worst thing to do is what he's saying and now hang on to this one 1 Corinthians chapter 7 27 28 what's he saying to the new christians if you are mar- if you are married remain as he is if you're married Do not seek a divorce. I'm sorry, what's that other teaching? If you're married and you're coming into body, you have to get divorced. Paul's saying the opposite. They're saying something totally contrary. If you're married, do not get divorced, says Paul. And if you're divorced, don't get married. But if you do, you haven't sinned. Well, that's not what they're teaching. I know that's not what they're teaching. For Paul to be teaching what they're teaching, he would have to say, well, you know, if you're married, do not get divorced, except if you, he would have to put a lot of stuff on here, and he'd have to bring in what Jesus was teaching. But Paul sees when you come in and into the body of Christ that all your past sins are forgiven, and remain with that person in which you are married to at that time, because the past is the past. And it doesn't matter what the reason for the divorce was. If you come in, remain unmarried. But if you do get married, you haven't sinned. That's so important to take because what they're teaching is the opposite. But what about John? He never demanded divorce when he was telling people to repent. The crowd say, what do we need to do? Well, if you've got two tunics, share one. To the tax collector, collect no more than you're supposed to. To the soldiers, do not take money. He doesn't say you need to get divorced if you're unscripturally married, does he? No. Why? Because at baptism, you look forward. You don't use looking backwards. And you're at the condition in which you're called, and you're going forwards is what you need to understand. King Herod, you know, I hear, why didn't he just baptize him? Because King Herod's problem wasn't the divorce of Herodias. King Herod was a problem was because he was illegally married to his brother's wife. That's what Leviticus 20 and 21 teaches. It's abhorrent to be married to your brother's wife. You can't do that. Nothing can wash that away. How about Ezra? I love Ezra. Why? Because he makes the Jews divorce their foreign wives. Now catch this. The Jews are in covenant with God. They know they cannot marry foreign wives. That's a given. They know that. But they went and married foreign wives. So therefore, they had to get divorced because they're responsible to the covenant, which is what we're teaching here. The people of God who are Christians now are responsible to the covenant. You don't go past back in their past when they were in the world of darkness. You go forward and now Christians follow the higher standard of marriage because now they're Christians. And they've had all their past sins forgiven. And here's the question I ask. What about King David? Why didn't God make him divorce Bathsheba? If this is all so nasty stuff that they're talking about. David, who commits adultery with Bathsheba, gets her husband to come back from the war. He won't sleep with his wife. So he now sends her husband back to the war with a letter to set him up to die in battle. David kills her husband. So that now he can marry her because she's pregnant and nobody will know about it. So they get married. She has the child. And then Nathan comes, tells him a parable. David gets exposed and says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan says to David, the Lord has taken away your sin. You shall not die. And David remains. The child dies. David remains married to Bathsheba to prove that God has forgiven all his sins, they have a child, he is Solomon, he is the next king. At your baptism, God takes away all your sins. You are a new creature going forward. And if you're married to this person, and you got two or three other divorces, you can't start looking backwards. The church wasn't meant to be examiners. We're not to judge people. When you come into the body of Christ, sins are forgiven. You're now going forward, and now you have to obey the word of God. If divorce laws apply to everyone that Jesus was teaching in Matthew 5 and 19, then you have to get divorced before you get baptized. You have to become a eunuch. And those that teach that have put a massive stain on the body of Christ and are teaching false doctrine. And I don't care how long they've been teaching this for a hundred years; it doesn't matter because when they started teaching it, it was false, and it is still false to this day. And they've got hard hearts. So uh, my lessons not to them. My lessons to people who have ears to hear. Listen to what David or what Paul has to say. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be divorced. Are you divorced from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you haven't sinned. This is what the Bible is teaching for new people coming into the body of Christ. Then when you're in the body of Christ, now what Jesus was teaching, that higher standard upon which we live is where we work and we go forward. The reason for this topic now and for this lesson now is the truth needs to be heard. The wrong teaching has been here too long. We proclaim good news. What they proclaim is horrible news.